Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen of America, you've tuned in to AJC Radio. Tonight we discuss really the conversation that's sweeping the nation. Gun control has continued violence and lives continue to be lost in this nation with mass shootings, school shootings. Something needs to take place. We kick off right now. Take a listen. Breaking news. You might say heartbreaking news, a heartbreaking day in Florida and sadly an all too familiar one. 17 people are now confirmed dead. We know at least three people still in critical condition after police say that a shooter believed to be just 19 years old opened fire at his former high school. Over and over again this year, we have seen, heard and reported on sad and harrowing scenes like this one. How many depends on how you define a school shooting. This is the fourth shooting at a middle or high school just this year, in 2018. You see chaos, terrified students, their hands on their heads, running to safety, frightened parents rushing to the school, waiting for word on their children. Are they dead or alive? And watching, as you see here, heavily armed SWAT teams, armored vehicles surrounding Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. According to students, it was about 2.30 in the afternoon, just 10 minutes before the end of the school day when the fire alarm went off. And that, they say, is when the gunman began shooting. I heard screaming. I heard about five, six gunshots. We thought they were firecrackers because it sounded like them. We weren't sure what was used. And we heard the police yelling. We heard banging on the doors. It's insane. It's, it's, un, it's unnecessary. It's, it's out of, it's, it's, there's no words to describe how I feel right now. Like I'm, I was shaking. I was, I was panicking. It was all out panic about the school panic. The school was quickly put on lockdown. This picture from a student huddled on the floor after hearing shot after shot. Police say the shots fired from both inside and outside the school. The victims, both students and adults. Many students hiding in their classrooms and closets for more than an hour until authorities were able to track the gunman down. Well, there you have it, folks, a problem in this nation as GOP leaders, some of them, refuse to take action in spite of the continued taking of lives and the availability, if you will, of guns on our streets in America. There has to be a conversation. There has to be action. And I'll tell you what, there's a movement happening by young people across this nation right now that I'll tell you what, the GOP better listen. They better listen very quickly. This is not politics. This is not Republican or Democrat. These are the lives of people, children, that are dying in our streets. And tonight we're going to dig into that conversation. We're going to be joined also later in this program by Dylan Boxer. Uh, He's actually an Aurora Theater shooting survivor. We're going to hear from him, what his thoughts are. We're going to talk about Florida, of course. Uh, And also take a look back at the trend in this nation of countless lives that have been taken really senselessly because our legislators refuse to do anything about it. And we're going to dig into all of that tonight. My name is Lamont Banks. I'm here with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, 
Dennis Merritt and William Williams and the AJC radio team coming to you tonight as we begin to really, really have a conversation and a discussion regarding this troubling situation, William. And I'll tell you, when you have Sandy Hook out there, we're talking about innocent kids as young as six years old killed by, by someone who has simply had access to weapons on the streets in this country. If we cannot, if we are not moved by the children, at minimum, there's a problem in this nation. Yes, I mean, you know, the thing is, loss of life, and when you're talking about a young child that hasn't even started living, at the hands of, you know, someone that shouldn't even have a gun, you know, we really need to start having some serious talks and serious discussions about who, uh, who can possess a firearm and what are the rules and regulations around that. It's, it's, it's sad, and we've seen it time and time again. We've seen it from Columbine to recently in Parkland, Florida, and, uh, and we're seeing it, you know, almost, it seems, it's too often. It's, it really it's too often. So we have to have some conversations, some real hard conversations, and, uh, and we have, must be willing to, uh, to see that the safety of our children is the most important thing, and uh, that's what we need to deal with. So until we are able to have those kind of discussions, and be willing to be flexible and be willing to understand that the loss of life is just too much and it's happening too frequent. It, it's, sad. it's sad. Yeah, we're going to deal with those issues tonight. We salute the children, the really the students out of Florida uh, in, in that recent shooting, Dennis. They have come full force and really with support from a lot of people. And we're talking about a million, over a million people movement uh, that are crying out. Well, I tell you what. The GOP can sit up and do what they're doing and play politics with this. But I tell you what, there's a midterm election happening uh, in a very short period of time in this country. And I, one of the students stood up and, man, that, that crowd was massive. And he said, I, if you don't hear us now, you will hear us at the polls. And that's not only, uh, that's not only midterm. We're talking 2020. Uh, I'll tell you what, they haven't. And they're still talking craziness. Uh, in regards to the Second Amendment. And no one is addressing the issue. No one has ever said, take guns from our citizens. They have a right to carry them. They have a right to defend themselves. Let me be clear. We have no problem with that here at AJC Radio. You have a right to bear arms and to protect you and your family. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about people getting access to military-type weapons which you don't need an assault rifle or whatever. The, 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 what is it? Is it AR-15? Yes. I don't need that for protection. And they're talking about, and Dennis, you, maybe you can help us on that. Some of the weapons that are out there uh, are, are just right along the lines of military combat. Exactly. I mean, the AR itself. I mean, uh, a, a lady made a comment. I mean, if, if you need a AR-15, uh, you know, to... To shoot an animal, you got some problems. Because, right. I mean, uh, mostly, you know, you got your, uh, you, you know, just your regular uh, rifles, you know, your twenty twos and, and whatever. Uh, one shot, one kill. But when you got to, you know, clean, clean a, a clear magazine uh, to, to take down a dare, you, you're hurting. Uh, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I think that's what keeps being politicized, that, well, we don't have a – our citizens deserve to carry their guns. Where are they at during the conversation? Where are they? Because I guarantee you, if one of the senators or congresspeople on Capitol Hill who stand against 
gun control reform, if it's one of their kids that get attacked, if it's their school that gets attacked, all of a sudden we have to act now. That should be the attitude right now. Because at the end of the day, it could be your son or your daughter. It, it could be. And I agree. And, and what's sad, uh, when you look at Sandy Hook, the, the, the beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, I, I call them babies because they, they, they didn't even get a chance to, at life. If that was not enough to move Absolutely. our congressmen and women to say we need to put some laws in place to control or curtail who gets guns, we got a problem. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm telling you, this this massive movement by our young generation is awesome. Yeah. I mean, when you got that many, I think it was the biggest ever. It was a larger crowd than what happened on Inauguration Day. Wow. Uh, Huge. So uh, this this is serious business. It is. It's very serious. You know what I mean? It's very serious. And uh, stay tuned as we get into this conversation tonight, folks. We're going to dig into this. We're looking very forward also to having a conversation with our guests tonight. Uh, we're going to have also Mike Shedlock. He'll also uh, be giving his insight uh, into what is going on in this nation uh, when it talks about gun control and all of those things that need to happen. So, folks, definitely stay tuned. Feel free to dial into the show tonight at 646 646- 200 uh, 646-200-0628. Returning tonight as well, what you didn't know about the IRP5, what's going on with our guys uh, as we continue to seek for justice. And I'll tell you what, uh, the IRP5 have stood true to their convictions, to their belief, and the just cause is on the move in fighting for justice to bring these men home. Make no mistake about it, we'll be discussing, updating our listeners tonight of how we proceed forward uh, as we fight. And again, every show is dedicated to our guys, uh, the IRP5. We'll learn more about them later in this program. And uh, we're looking very, very much uh, forward to that. Uh, Some current news right now. Grandmother of an unarmed black man killed by Sacramento police called Monday for changes in the way police could... uh, uh, Let me me reread this. uh, they were killed by, by Sacramento police. This young man was killed. Uh, and it says Monday for changes. They're asking for changes in the way police confront suspects, such as sending in a police dog, using a taser, or aiming for an arm or leg when shots are fired. Nikita Thompson said in an emotional news conference that police didn't need to shoot at 22-year-old Stephen Clark 20 times, wow. killing him in her darkened backyard on March 18th. Uh, understand the, uh, my understanding is that uh, Mr. Clark was reaching, he had a cell phone. I cannot in any way come to any rationale of 20 shots fired on a suspect with not one bullet going towards a cop. I'm just trying to figure out what are they training? Uh, what type of training is our, uh, well, I can't say all police, but, but what, what are they training? I mean, when I was in the military, I mean, we were taught to, to maim or wound if we had to. And, and our situation would be greater than that on the street. I mean, you're talking true enemy. You know they're the enemy. But when you're, when you, when you automatically you got to shoot 20 times? I mean, that's, that's, that, come on, that's overkill. That's, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, they're going to say they didn't have to kill him like that. They didn't have to shoot him that many times, the grandmother says. She said through sobs, recounting the night of his slaying, she believes Clark was in the backyard trying to get into the house. He shared with his grandparents and other family members when he was shot. Uh, he is the latest uh, 
prominent face of young black men killed by police nationwide, said the family's renowned civil rights attorney, Benjamin Crump. He called it an execution of a man who chose nonviolence and was found with only a cell phone and not the handgun police thought he was aiming in their direction. Are you out of your mind? Where are your flashlights? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to understand here. It's out of control. My understanding of, and I learned this from my, uh, from our colleague, how big, I mean, those are some big flashlights. Couldn't they have raised the flashlights up to see exactly what he had? Well, they did. Well, they, 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 even before the flashlight, they claimed. It was a darkened backyard. Well, they claimed yeah. the helicopter was the one that spotted him and told so him where they were. So there was a spotlight so on him. you got a spotlight. Why, why, are, why are you not shining the spotlight for the officer's sake since this officer is claiming, oh, I felt like my life and the Come life on. of my comrades was at jeopardy. Was, I'm so tired of that line. 20 it, shots, though. But it was, it, when you saw the video, the video, they had, they had the, 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 their flashlights and their guns pointing at the guy. For what? And, and, but, but the whole point was, it's like you could see what this boy was doing. You could you could see that he didn't have anything. I don't care what they're saying. Well, I made the statement. And, oh, go ahead, William. I'm sorry. No, no. It was just it was when you watch the video, mm-hmm. you realize this was totally unnecessary. Two officers just rapidly firing on a kid that was no more than 10, 12 yards away from them, and they just unloaded on him. Well, and I saw a picture of him and his two children. Uh, un unimaginable that this man has died. Uh, at the needlessly, he has died. We're talking about gun reform. Something needs to be done with the cops that have that carry their guns. That's right. Because we continually continue to see people die, and it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. You can stay tuned. I'm sure there'll be a lot of conversation on that. Last bit of updated news. You know what's going on in Washington regarding the investigation with Donald Trump, uh, and not only the Mueller investigation. The uh, alleged uh, marital affair with Stormy Daniels, this is unbelievable. This is, I got to say this. Now, the president denies he ever had any relationship. Can someone explain to me, out of the blue, your attorney just goes and drops a check for 130, if, if, if we believe the president for what he says, why is your attorney cutting the check for 130000 to keep Ms. Daniels quiet? If, if nothing happened, does that make any sense at all? If I didn't do anything, I don't have to send anybody out anywhere. I don't have to send an attorney. I don't need my attorney feeling like he needs to protect me as the president. None of that is even there if it didn't happen. He wrote a check, signed a contract, a non-disclosure. The president's name is listed on the non-disclosure. Stormy Daniels' name is listed on the non-disclosure. And Mr. Cohen president never signed it. Well, if you didn't do nothing, what is your name doing on a non-disclosure for something that never happened? Can somebody help me with that? William? I have no worries for you, man. I, I mean, that's common sense, it's, right? It's common sense. I mean, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. And so, and so the bottom line is, he's involved. He's got it. And then, of course, this week as well, the play, other playmate that came out talked about the affair that she had with. With similar stories. Yeah, similar stories. Similar similar. Uh, conversation. Absolutely. Uh, this, I'll tell you what, folks, this country is in a situation, and uh, uh, remember to pray for your country, pray for this United States of America, and really the world, as we are seeing things unprecedented. Uh, 
with this uh, administration, in my opinion, uh, this continues to be. You know what? You turn it on. You think you have. You turn it on a soap opera daily of something that's going on that's actually real life uh, is very troubling. Folks, tune in to any network, CNN, MSNBC, any network you want. Uh, that story, I guarantee you, will continue to have legs. Also, they're investigating uh, Mr. Kushner, the son-in-law for, for President Trump, saying that since he went, since he's been in the White House, he has received in loans to the tune of almost a half a billion dollars since he has been in the White House. That is also an investigation right now. There's no telling where all this is going to end up. Folks, this is AJC Radio. On the other side of the break, we're coming back. Gun control in America, the conversation that must be made. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should they ever be faced with, especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today. One eight five five. Five two nine four two five two. We seek justice for the children as they go to bed at night and mom's not there. Dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn? when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square? and sandwich meat round. Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. 
soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. They killed our young you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice and making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. I'm a father. I'm a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military. I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church. And my child was arrested, held in custody, questioned without my knowledge, exposed to violence, witnessed to rape, placed in solitary confinement, unable to call or see me, shackled to a wall, beaten, sentenced as an adult at age 17, sentenced as an adult at age 16, Sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost. Isolated. Ostracized. Misjudged. Terrified. And in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life. Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you. Now we have a voice. Now we We have have power. power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We we can make a difference. There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, where without question, we search to bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight we deal with a topic that is troubling, 
that needs to be addressed, and we're talking about the mass shootings that seem to be on an all-time high, if you will, and a trend. And what are we doing about it is the conversation that's happening across this nation where teenagers all over the United States have begun to put on protests uh, this past weekend, uh, massive crowds of people, not only teenagers, we're talking about adults, we're talking about people that are saying it is time for change. And I'll tell you what, folks, this seems to be a movement that's not going anywhere, and they need to keep it going exactly as they are because they're causing the conversation uh, to definitely uh, take place. And William, when we talk about this stuff, I think what's most concerning to us, or to me definitely, is the lack of enthusiasm, if you will, or lack of urgency on behalf of the GOP to quit playing politics with the lives of our citizens in this nation. And they continue, even through this tragedy, to continue to do the same thing. Well, you know, that's, that's the, one of the biggest tragedies, that people take the opportunity through this hard time, through a, you know, a tragedy to, you know, put some kind of political gain. And everyone knows who the NRA is. It's one of the largest organizations here in our country, and they, they have a lot of influence. And, and the thing about it is these people need to understand it's not – we're not questioning the right to bear arms. At all. You know, or to have a firearm. What, we're, what, what everybody, the common sense man and woman are asking – is how can we make it safer for our children? How can we prevent those that have some kind of psychological disorder from purchasing a firearm? Well, These are people that don't need it. Well, it's, and it's not only them, William, those that are psychologically messed up. Yeah. People who premeditate a plan and a scheme to kill people. They're not that crazy. If they can organize a killing and plan it, you got the weapons. You're building. You're making plans of when this is going to happen. You have the state of mind to walk out of killing people and walk into McDonald's and have something to eat. Something is wrong, definitely. But these are acts, many of them are acts of premeditation. And to your point about the mentally uh, challenged that have access, President Obama put measures in place to make it even more difficult for that to happen. But I'm going to show you. I'm going to just play a clip for you right now to listen exactly what happened with that effort by President Obama. Let's hear the clip. It's one of the most divisive topics in America. And this morning, gun rights advocates are celebrating the rollback of an Obama-era regulation that would have added about 75,000 names to the background check database for gun sales. And with Republicans now in firm control of Congress, it could be just the beginning. In just the first month of the Trump presidency, the GOP turning their focus to the politically charged issue of gun control. The joint resolution is passed. The Republican Senate voting 57 to 43 to roll back an Obama-era gun regulation designed to make it harder for certain people with mental disorders from buying a firearm. The rule was written after the Sandy Hook massacre in Newtown, Connecticut, where 21st graders were among those murdered by a mentally disturbed man. The regulation took years to write and was just finalized in December. It would have added people who get Social Security disability benefits for mental impairment and who are deemed unfit to handle their own financial affairs to the National Background Check database, about 75,000 names. Republicans say that would have violated their Second Amendment rights. Repealing this regulation will merely ensure that disabled citizens' Second Amendment rights 
are in fact protected. But the Brady campaign to prevent gun violence calls it heartless. Democratic Senator Chris Murphy's constituents include Newtown parents. This is so deeply morally offensive to people in Connecticut, frankly, anybody that's lived through these tragedies. Today, it's on the way to the White House for President Trump's signature. We are going to protect our Second Amendment, which is under siege. Making good on a campaign promise. And with Republicans in charge, ushering in a new era for gun rights advocates in Washington. After President Obama spent years trying to convince Congress to pass stricter gun laws. Every time I think about those kids, it gets me mad. Even after tearful, emotional pleas, Congress didn't act. Now Murphy fears even more setbacks. I think this is just the first step. And now the only thing that Congress has done on guns since Sandy Hook is to make it easier for very mentally ill people to get guns. It wasn't just the National Rifle Association and gun rights groups who opposed this. The American Civil Liberties Union also argued that it would infringe uh, on the rights of mentally disabled people and contribute to stereotypes that mentally ill people are violent. Matt, Hallie. Uh, Casey Hunt in Washington. Casey, thanks very much. Well, there you have it. That's the most ridiculous response by members of Congress. You've got to ask the question, have these people lost their minds? How do you infringe on the rights of the mentally, if they're not mentally fit to take care of themselves and they struggle with mental issues? Why would you undo a plan? Not only are you protecting citizens, you protect the mentally disabled from harming themselves. That's true. How do you do that? And that was a slap in the parents' Of the uh, Sandy Hook uh, exactly. fiasco. I mean, you you just told them that hey, so what? We had someone deranged kill your kids. So what? We're not going to change the law because if we do, it's going to violate our Second Amendment rights. That is sickening. But it has nothing to do with that. nothing. And here's the thing: if the mentally ill are put in institutions, and really they are put there to protect society. From their uh, uh, sporadic behavior, if you will, because there are mental issues in the mind. It's not stereotyping or singling them out. You're not going to give a mentally challenged person that who really cannot discern between safety, right, wrong, all of these things. They can't, that's why they're under mental care. So how do you take that and politicize it? And say we would be taking away their Second Amendment rights. And it starts at the top with the insanity of this administration to, fulfill, to try to get really uh, a message to his base to get them all riled up. Well, you got Second Amendment rights. Go to the parents' homes, Mr. Trump, and talk to the parents whose kids were taken in Sandy Hook and give them an explanation of why you did what you did and signed on a law. And I say that to the members of Congress, the GOP, take a trip to those homes, go to the graveyards, go to the cemeteries, and make your voice heard because it doesn't, it doesn't hold water. Well, the thing is, go look at the parents who lost these teenagers who didn't even start, hadn't even started living, and go explain to them why they did a rollback on this. And that's the thing that, that is so, so horrific. When you look at the Florida shooting, 
Okay, this kid was, I believe he was 19 years of age, and they were questioning the fact that said, well, how was he able to purchase a, a assault rifle? Well, the age of purchasing a rifle is 18 as compared to the age of purchasing a pistol, which is 21. Okay, so now this kid actually now has an assault rifle. Mm-hmm. Okay, now he is 19 years of age. He's already posted on social media his his profile of I, I think it was there was uh, exactly. uh, some some memorabilia. He had other things that was going on and and uh, that he was he was you know basically just supposed was out there and and the pictures were questioning his mental stability. Yeah. So now what you, what you're doing is when you look at this, you look at all this evidence. Now you're saying, okay, but we're going to let people like this continue to purchase. We're going to look at the faces of these people who've lost their loved ones, and we're going to justify it to ourselves. That's really what you're saying. Well, there's no justification. President Obama was moved to tears about those kids. And you come back as soon as Mr. Trump takes office. And you undo, not because it was needed. You have no rationale to explain to the American people why you would undo a safety precaution to protect this nation, as President Obama did. It was about undoing what President Obama had done. That's the bottom line. And at what cost do you do that? What cost do you do that? It's anybody with any ounce of sense knows you don't go into a mental institution and hand out guns. Are you out of your mind is the question. It seems to me there seems to be some psychological issues with the GOP group on the Hill because there's no rationale to this nonsense. Well, it's greed. I mean, when you boil it down to it's, it's greed, it's nothing more than greed. When you can sit here, and you can say this, this group, they have enough financial backing to either keep me in office or not. And that's more important than the, than facing the people who've lost their loved ones, you know, over over this this really it's it's a tragic argument. It really shouldn't even be an argument. Be the bottom line is if you have any kind of mental disability that is causing you to, you know, to need assistance, you know, it's from driving to just personal care, you don't need a firearm. Well, well he made the point that these are people that cannot even make financial decisions. It's kind of like if you put a gun in the hands of an, an Alzheimer's patient or a dementia patient that cannot, they can't discern. But you, here's, I think what they miss, you do protect them from themselves. And it's not a knock on the mentally disabled. No. It's not a knock on those who are suffering from these issues. It is to say, not only do we protect you from you, we protect our society. And if that's the case, there's, there's a reason they're in an institution being treated. There's a reason for that, and that's why it blows my mind of any rationale that you can possibly think of that would cause you to go in there and vote for such a bill. When President Obama went to the extremes, but President Obama was shook in, in reality ab- about what happened uh, uh, in, those, in those situations. So uh, that's one of the things, folks, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I guarantee they're going to pay a huge price at the, at the voting uh, booths, I believe, this year and in 2020. I think that that uh, price is going to definitely be seen across the country. I really do. And uh, right now we have the opportunity. Uh, we were talking earlier. Uh, very honored to have Mike Shedlock join us, who is really one who talks on these issues. And we're going to get his perspective on the gun control conversation uh, right now. Mike, are you there? 
I am here. Uh, please call me Mish. That's my nickname, M-I-S-H, and I uh, write the economic blog called uh, Mish Talk, and I discuss these kinds of things, the, mostly the economy, but also things like this. And what's interesting about this one is I wrote on my blog, without even taking any sides at all, I just said there was a shift in gun sentiment. I could see the march. I could see it through my eyes. I saw what happened, and I said there's a shift. And I had most of my readers are probably on the right, and uh, you might consider me on the right as well. But okay. nonetheless, I just said there's a shift, and they said, well, you're wrong. No, there's not. So I went back, and I found a Gallup survey. It was from March. And um, I said, uh, uh, let's take a, a, a look at this thing. And sentiment for gun control peaked in 1992 at 76%. It fell all the way to 40%. In in 2008-2009, it's back up to 67% now. How is that not a shift, is what I uh, uh, told everybody. And I think in the next poll, we're going to see probably a record high here. Now, one thing I would caution you on, it's not just a Democrat-Republican issue. To me, this is a common-sense issue. We need to ban assault-style military weapons. We need to restrict high-capacity magazines. We need background checks. It's, it's simple to say we need to prevent um, the mentally ill from getting guns, but we can at least have some background checks. We, we, we can do some rudimentary things that just may have presented, prevented this crisis. No, no, and I agree with you, Mitch, on that. And, and I think what you say is true. This is a human issue. This, it doesn't matter what party you come from. And my thought is this. If there's, and President Obama made a good point. He said, I'm not saying what I'm doing or what I attempt to do will stop it altogether. Because as long as you have people out there doing what they're doing, there'll be ways. But I don't just sit back and relax and say, well, that's just the way it is. How do we make it tougher? And again, the mentally ill part is one small piece of the puzzle. And I agree with you, Mitch, on that. The, the, uh, the magazine and restricting what people can get and the access and all those things, you can't, no one can ever convince me that those steps will not at least lower the number of, of shootings that we have in this country. If it's more difficult, some lives, if it's one life that's, cha that's saved as a result of that one person that can't go to a school today because he's unable to get that gun on some of the things we put in place, that's what matters to me. And I think, I think that's what people are looking for, at least an effort to be made to try to at least uh, bring the number down. John what are Paul Stevens, that, that's a, a former Supreme Court justice, had an op-ed uh, um, in the New York Times today called Repeal the Second Amendment. Now, some people might think that's going a little bit too far. Um, the question is, what are we going to replace it with? As you said, you know, you're not uh, um, looking to take everyone's protections away from themselves. I don't believe one needs an AK-47 or these semi-automatic uh, 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 weapons, AR-15, is that it, uh, uh, to protect themselves in their home. If they do, if they're, then they must be protecting themselves against gangs or mobs of people, and then 
you know, how many other people are living in that area. Imagine one of these weapons in school, you know, you know, where, where someone's firing back uh, at someone with an AK-47, with one themselves, how much ricocheting of bullets might, you know, kill people rather than just saying, you know what, maybe we don't need AK-47. No, I agree with that. That's a good point. Uh, and, and you know what? And maybe that's what the what the what the justice is talking about to take a look at what is necessary. Uh, and like you said, if I'm not in the military and haven't been trained in military warfare, what am I doing with military weapons in my oh, house? Ex- exactly right. And I had um, in my blog post on this talking about the shift in sentiment. Um, there was a uh, – I've got a picture of someone called the West Side Fireman. That's, I don't know his real name. He says he carried an M4 in Afghanistan for almost a year. Quote, if you feel you need this weapon or another weapon of war like it to protect your home, you need to reevaluate the way you're living your life and make fewer enemies. These weapons have no place in civilian hands. This was uh, uh, from someone on uh, uh, pound sign vets for gun reform. So this is a veteran saying the same things that we are. No, 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 absolutely right. And see, I think what is so troubling to me, uh, Miss, is the fact that you, you, you made the point clear. It's common sense. I don't need those weapons. Now, I can still have a gun, and I have the right to bear arms, Mm-hmm. But I don't have the right to bear a weapon. I'm not even trained to operate. Yeah, where, where does it stop? And training is a training is a huge issue here. Now, think about driver's license. Can you know? Okay, anyone uh, depending on the state, uh, 16 or 18 or years or older, can go out and get a driver's license. But they have to be trained to operate the thing. You know, <laughs> with guns, anyone can go out and buy an AK-47. They don't have to be trained to operate the thing. Is is there something wrong with this picture? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a disconnect. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? If people would, stri- would stop the po- politicizing and just sit back for a moment and use some common sense, nobody would be crying about their Second Amendment rights being taken because guess what? That has nothing to do with this discussion. We're talking about saving the lives of our citizens, of our children, and of our adults, and the teachers that died as a result of this man just woke up, and there, was, there were warning signs with this man that there well, that were was, issues there. Yeah, that aggravates me more than anything. You know, where were the administrators, you know, where – People knew this guy had these weapons, and we did nothing about it. It is so sad from every aspect. We even had the police that didn't go into the building on time. I just see every conceivable failure in this case, and that is what's got people riled. That's what has these kids riled. I don't think it's going to stop here. I actually salute and congratulate these kids. It reminds me of of back. I I got my degree. I graduated from the University of Illinois in um, 1976. But when I was in high school, 1971, uh, uh, the Vietnam War was still going on, and it was people protesting the Vietnam War that finally brought about the end to it. 
And so, you know, if this is sustained, and I believe it will, I'm a baby boomer. And baby boomers are dying off. And maybe that's a good thing because it's the attitudes of millennials who are more open to these kinds of things, more open to interrelation, uh, uh, interracial uh, uh, setups, more open to uh, just respecting people for being people rather than people for having a certain race, creed, or color. Maybe it's a good thing, and I see this shift in sentiment here. Part of it is is people still fighting World War II are going to be dying off, and we're being replaced by people with different attitudes. Oh, hey, listen, that that is a good observation, a a good way to look at it. And I think the point you make that we have to be more open, because as you notice, even as you talked about the trend, the American people uh, are saying in in regards to the shift that you talked about, I saw some polls today very high in support of doing something. And I think it has a lot to do with this movement, with these kids. And I'm telling you, these kids have parents. Exactly. These kids, their their parents parents vote. vote and they're going to be voting in a few years. Uh, I'll tell you what, this is, and it, it, again, it shouldn't be politicized in any way, but the gentleman, uh, the young man I saw speaking, which moved me really in my heart when I heard him, and he, he was in front of this massive crowd, or, or I believe on Saturday, and he said, if you don't hear us now, you'll hear us at the time when it's time to go vote. And I believe that wholeheartedly. That's right. There's and some uh, numbers for you. If you're interested in numbers, support for stricter gun control laws um, uh, 90% of the Democrats are, are, are in favor of them. But, but, you know, that's been the same. Those numbers have been really high for a while. Independents are up from 51% to 65%, and Republicans, 33% up to 41%, okay? And, yep. and uh, 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 as the boomers die off, you're going to see those numbers increase. So hopefully it doesn't take four more rounds of this before we get some action, but we're going to see it just on the basis of demographic trends alone. Oh, I agree with you, Mitch, on that. Listen, Mitch, you got a few more minutes. I'd like to give an opportunity. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. i got a, a clip I'd like to play for you in regards to some of this politicizing, but I also would like you – uh, to tell, I let our listeners know how they can be part of what you're doing. Put your blog out there. Have folks go out there, and I believe what you have to say really uh, is is definitely helpful and informative to to our listeners uh, as we continue to have this discussion. You got a few minutes to come back with us. Um, I, I do. Uh, give me about thirty seconds, and I will be right back. No problem. We're going to take a break, so you'll be back in time, ladies and gentlemen. This is AJC Radio, Gun Control in America. The discussion. That is going on, and uh, I'll tell you what, Mitch is putting down some information, statistics uh, that are bearing to be true. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning, 
He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff? But he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio. As tonight we have a conversation that needs to be had, whether you're for gun control or not, uh, the conversation has to happen. We're open to discussion. Feel free to dial into the show tonight, 646-200-0628. That's 646-200-0628. And Cliff, we have someone... uh, uh, Yes, Yes. we have... uh, Pianchi is on the line, wants to make a comment about what is going on uh, in conversation tonight. Pianchi, you are live. Yes, uh, I just want to make a comment on the topic. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm against restricting people who are legally able to authorize to have weapons and any unnecessary gun laws. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> one of the reasons I voted for Donald Trump, and I'm an African-American, by the way, that gets ridiculed when I make mention of this, is because of the issue. And one issue is the national reciprocal uh, concealed carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I drive into Illinois, I don't think that I should have to take my a gun off and put it in the trunk. Right. But getting back to these kids, these kids have been exploited. And we can, I mean, it's all over the, the evidence is over the place. But here's the thing. That school district, if that school district had uh, made sure that the program that it had in place to stop and prevent the incident that did occur, if agencies from the FBI down to the local police had uh, been accountable for the information that it had, Mm-hmm. And also the employees, those people that was assigned to maintain their posts had done so and, and been held accountable. Well, maybe, just so maybe, this incident would not have occurred. Sure. And I feel really perturbed that, you know, you have marches in my city where we do put things in place and we make sure that they work. Well, no. And that the people that's yeah. responsible are held accountable. Sure. And, and and that's a good point. Um, I agree with you to that fact, that the bottom line is those it takes all of us and all of these agencies coming together to do their job. And I agree with that. Uh, we're not saying that those things would not have avoided because I, possibly so. If you have a deputy outside that's staying outside when shots are going off. Are you breaking up? I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Are you there, sir? Yeah, I'm here. Let me. I got a couple more things, and I'm going to be gone if you don't mind. And, well, I'd uh, like to ask. No, that's fine. I'd like to address what you said, though. Uh, that's okay. one point. That's one point that you're making, which is a good point. But I'm saying it. These other issues are not off the table, just because that's one focus that people may want to focus on. That people were not held accountable. But at the end of the day, these other issues are still on top of the on the table as well. I think all of the issues have to be addressed. That's that's my that's my opinion on it. That your your opinion is, is is well noted. That makes a lot of sense. But it doesn't change the fact that these other issues have to be dealt with as well when it comes. Well, to yes, there's yeah, I agree that there's issues of that can be discussed. But yeah. I always want to make another point. Sure. You know, there's some cities that have there, there's about six cities in this country that has something in common: Virgin, Utah; Nelson, Georgia; Gun Barrel City, Texas. Uh, Noodle, Colorado, and Kennesaw, Georgia, which is about 70 miles outside of Atlanta. Those cities have ordinances that require the residents of those cities to have arms in their house, to have a gun in their house, have a weapon in their house. And just because they do, there's not all these outlandish incidents that's going on in those cities. In Atlanta, Georgia, there's a high school called North High School. It has a gun range in it, as we speak today. So to blame these things on guns is totally just ridiculous. It's the people. Now, how you go about determining when you have a child that was homeschooled and have degrees and so forth, they all of a sudden go off one day. I don't know how you do that, but I think that it's worth discussing how you would do that. Oh, absolutely. Right. And, and I think, uh, you know, those those cities that have those ordinance and, and thank you very much for your uh, for your comments and information, Pianchi. But um, 
you can't you can't okay if those cities say okay you you're required to have guns in your home that's like saying you're required to have a car in your driveway we it it, it you as a citizen don't have the right to say i want to take the bus or i want to take the train you have to have a car those ordinances wow. are 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 displaced right because what about the citizen who is afraid of a firearm who uh, hasn't been trained properly, then you put a you put a firearm in their hand, and there's no telling who they can shoot. If, yeah. if they're very timid, uh, you know, get in a situation where now all of a sudden they're they're scared and they're they're shooting somebody uh, for for no reason at all. So, I mean, some of his points mm-hmm. uh, are well taken that, right. because I don't think that everybody should have their gun taken away. But like he said, you know, there's no reason for somebody to have an AR-15 to say, okay, well, I'm I'm protecting myself from from my neighbor down the street, you know, or somebody who might come into our neighborhood and rob me, and I need AR-15 to do that. But the bottom line is, no one. This is this is the problem with the conversation. Mm. No one is saying take the gun right. out no. of their homes. No. Lisa, you had a point. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about this as if uh, as if people are in dire need of assault weapons. You don't need an assault rep- weapon to defend yourself. What what they're tra- trying to say is that, okay, they want to take our guns away. Well, no one's trying to say take all the guns away. They're trying to say, what we're trying to say is that people don't need to have access to these military-grade weapons that they're doing crazy things with. And, he, and the, the caller was also saying that they need to fix the problems as far as making sure the right people, that the wrong people don't have guns. That's all well and good, but it's not being done. So if it's not being done, what other steps are we going to take? Are we going to say, well, until they do that, we'll just keep letting people get killed? No. There are other steps that can be taken as well. So oh, why not take whatever steps you can to prevent this kind of crap from happening in the future? No, absolutely. Mike, uh, I, I'm sure you've heard what's been going on here, the statements. What are your thoughts on, on, on the caller's uh, point? I, I, actually, he brings up some things, but I would also like to ask. Now, I don't know those cities, but how small are they? You know, right. how, uh, how tiny are they? Are, are, are you going to propose – that everybody in Chicago have a gun or they have to move out of the city. So right. uh, um, I, I don't believe that it should be legal to force someone to have a gun to live in a city, right. your, your point about the car. But, but, but try putting that uh, uh, on a Chicago or a San Francisco, requiring everybody to go have a gun, you know, seems actually more than a little bit silly. As far as argument, um, the, the And I said the same thing, too, based on the information that I believe they could have prevented this. But it didn't necessarily have to be the same thing. Let's assume that there's a school guard there. Let's assume that there's, there's x-rays for metals so the kid couldn't get in there. He still could have uh, uh, gone out and uh, understood that school gets out at 3.30 or whenever it gets. And when everyone comes out the doors, you know, start shooting. So to say that we necessarily could have prevented this with better security inside the school is wrong, and the shooting in Las Vegas actually proves what I just said. The guy positioned himself up, you know, up in a room in a hotel and fired down in a crowd. So uh, um, he's, he's wrong on that issue. No, no, no. I agree with that. And, and again, folks, this conversation uh, is open on that. We're going to get into that discussion as well. Cliff? Yeah, we uh, have a caller um, 
Alex, who's with New American Magazine, uh, have a comment about the discussion. Go ahead, Alex, you're live. Hey, gentlemen. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, and I'd like to say that I think all these proposals for gun control are incredibly misguided. What we, don't, we, we do not need more gun control. First of all, it's unconstitutional. Second of all, it's stupid. Um, and I say that for a number of reasons. First of all, widespread gun ownership is correlated with less crime, not more. Uh, when you look at the countries that have disarmed their law-abiding populations, crime and murder and gun crime has absolutely exploded. Uh, Venezuela, I think, offers the best test case. In 2012, they disarmed all the law-abiding citizens with help from the United Nations. Right away, you saw an explosion of murder to the point where Venezuela is now the murder capital of the world. And add to that the fact that now the government is free to oppress and abuse and destroy the people of Venezuela without any resistance. Government is infinitely more dangerous to your life and to your liberty than a, a shooter, a killer, a criminal. Uh, government, just in the last hundred years, slaughtered hundreds of millions of people. And in almost every case, they disarmed the population first. Hitler did it. Mao did it. Lenin did it. Paul Pot did it. Castro did it. In every case, they take the guns, then they slaughter the public. We must well, resist me, this gun control agenda. Venezuela is a pathetic case. It really is. Well, me, you know, the people revolting against Maduro because they're dying of starvation because of what socialist policies have done to them. If you want to talk about citizens that don't have guns and have low crime, why don't you mention Japan? Why don't you mention hey, the hey, I have, I have why some great examples Germany? I, let's, let's talk about some examples, because I've grown up in a lot of different countries. I spent seven years in Mexico, also one of the murder capitals of the world. Civilian gun ownership, totally banned. And this is just across the other side of the border from us. You are ten times more likely to be murdered in Mexico than you are in the United States. And let's keep talking about other countries. Switzerland, where I spent four years, every man, when they turn 18, gets an automatic machine gun, something that an American cannot even buy without special permits. Every man, when they turn 18, unless they have a religious or other objection, is delivered a machine gun by the government. If they keep it in their closet, they're given ammunition, and they're told, you learn how to use this thing, because if our country is ever invaded, you need to meet us here, and we're going to fight back. That's why Hitler didn't invade. That's why Let the Japanese didn't invade the United States. Let me ask you a question. Now, you, you're making the here, – here's what is so, uh, to me, off topic. We're talking about nobody ever said to go into the U.S. United States and go to people's homes, citizens' homes, and take their guns. Nobody's saying ban all guns. No one but, but he's saying about give them all of... a machine gun. He's saying give them all a machine gun. I, I didn't right. say that. I, I, I would not mind. I think every I think the Constitution is exactly right in the Second Amendment where it says that a militia is a well-armed and a well-regulated militia is necessary to the security of a free state. I absolutely agree with that, and I think oh, every man and women who wants to carry arms and bear arms in defense of themselves, their families, their liberties, their states, and their nation should be encouraged to do so. Uh, and I mean, second of all, right. this Nobody's we, arguing. I, I mean, several of the people on this call have said that we don't need uh, so-called assault weapons, and we should clarify what we mean here. AR-15s are semi-automatic rifles. They are not military-grade weapons. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The bottom line is, this is the thing. What you're saying is talking about gun control. What we're talking about is not banning weapons. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the simple fact that there are some people that do not need to possess firearms. Now, what you're Absolutely. saying about AR-15, okay, now, AR-15 is a semi-automatic assault weapon. The fully automatic version, the M4, is used by the military. Now, 
All that being said, everything you said about Switzerland, all that other stuff, that's all well and good. What we're talking about is now, instead of preventative maintenance, which means, you know, all after the fact, after, you know, if this guy is in the place here, then this kid couldn't do this shooting. What we're talking about is preventing this kind of person from having the weapon. Now, what? Well, let, let me make a couple of points, oh, if, I, if I could. Just, okay. Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. I have two key points I want to make here. I, I agree we need measures to prevent these types of shootings. I think the most sensible thing to do is look at the data. 98% of these mass shootings in the United States have happened in gun-free zones. These mass murderers recognize that they will meet no resistance. This kid walked around for six minutes and 20 seconds because he knew every teacher, every administrator in that school was disarmed by law. Now, if we want to talk you about are gun control... Wait, that this let, me, let, me make point, let me make one more point. Let me make one more point, please. The, the worst school shooting in history happened just a few years ago, and I haven't heard it mentioned on this uh, program so far. That was in Norway. I was living right next door in Sweden at the time. Guns are practically banned in Norway. This gentleman who shot up the 77 children went to Eastern Europe, bought an illegal AK-47 on the black market, just like the jihadists in Paris did, and shot up 77 kids. He was not stopped until men with guns showed up. The idea that gun control is going to, you know, if a guy is not going to obey laws against mass murder, do you think he's going to obey your gun regulations? I mean, give me a break. Mass murderers don't obey gun regulations. That's not the point. The point is, is to do what we can. And number one, we're talking about mass murder and killing under the United States uh, Constitution, under, under the laws of the land, so to speak. And we have, whatever the laws are of Switzerland and, and Norway or whatever, th- we'll leave that to them. We don't care about in the In the United States, where we're supposed to be a democracy, we're supposed to be... No, we're not. We're supposed to be a constitutional me, republic. Me, the founders me, hated me, democracy and for good let reason. Me, let me finish my point. The point uh, is, is that your points of what you're talking about, you're entitled to that. And, and we like to hear those, type, those points of views. However, we are talking about, if you want to make that argument, and I'll say it to you, I'll say it to any lawmaker that's out there listening to this show, that you walk into the home of these parents who were at work, they got a phone call that their kid had been shot to death in a high school. And I'm going to tell you what, there's a reason over a million people are in a movement right now saying the United States needs to do something, not to stop it altogether because we can never stop it completely. But what measures can we take that will help I just, save lives? I proposed one that I think would be incredibly effective. We've got a good caller on here. I want to go to the constitutional arg- uh, 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 argument. In uh, uh, District of Columbia versus Heller, uh, uh, 2008, if I'm correct, the, the, yep. the, they ruled five to four that um, that a woman in D.C. Uh, uh, was entitled to have a handgun um, in her house. Okay, the, the some people disagree with that ruling, but let's say that that's a reasonable ruling. Does that same ruling allow that person to have an AK-47 or, or an M4 or hand grenades or nuclear bombs? I mean, the question well, here let's talk about is this. where let's, do we draw the line? That's a good question. Let's talk about this. First of all, I think we need to clarify that the Supreme Court is not the source of our rights. Our rights, as the founders quite properly explained in the Declaration of Independence, are inherent to us. They come from God. They wrote in the Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal. We are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, property, pursuit of happiness, 
And the goal of government, the reason we institute government, they said in the Declaration, Property rights. is to protect these rights. Is to protect Property. these rights. So I agree with the, that. The, the argument that the Supreme, you know, so oh, good. So the Supreme Court's this opinion on these things, in my view, is completely irrelevant. Our rights do not come from government. Therefore, the government has no right to take them away. Now, as for you know, military weapons versus a handgun, I think the American people need to have not just the right. I would even argue the duty. I think. Uh, able-bodied men especially and women if they want to in America to bear arms in defense of their themselves their families their nation their liberty and uh, and I say that for a number of reasons I mean I think the first and most obvious one is national security uh, the Japanese emperor during World War II they asked him why he didn't invade America he said are you kidding me there would have been a machine gun behind every blade of grass and back then you could order a machine gun a five-year-old could order a machine gun from a Sears catalog we did not have mass shootings so that, the guns are not the issue. But second of all, the Russians, the Chinese, and many, many other hostile foreign powers have contemplated an actual invasion and occupation of the United States. They realize it would be devastating to their forces because we have hundreds of millions of weapons. We have millions of highly trained veterans and hunters, and uh, it would make it all but impossible. And if we uh, uh, ourselves, by open open. ourselves up to grave danger. Alex, we about our Alex, army. Alex, we appreciate the call. Thanks for your point of view doing this show. Uh, again, this is, this is healthy discussion, and everybody's going to have an opinion. It's a hot topic right now in this country when it comes to gun control or not. Uh, and, again, if we had time to do a complete uh, history on foreign powers, what they intend to do, that is, that's been happening from the beginning of time. That's never going to change. At the end of the day, we're talking about in the United States, what steps can we take as citizens, as legislators, as lawmakers, as the executive branch, the president of the United States, what do we need to do to hear the cry of the citizens of this nation? And, uh, Mike, uh, I want to uh, uh, miss, excuse me, um, you're welcome to stay on. We're going to bring on Dylan Boxer now uh, into the conversation. You can okay, stay let me just get one more comment on here. I actually appreciated sure. that guy's comments. He, he argued his case extremely sure. well. M- m- most people don't. It, they argue it from an emotional standpoint. He right. tried to throw logic into it. I appreciate that. That's what we're trying to do here is, 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 is look at these arguments and sort them out. I'm a libertarian. In, I have libertarians tell me that I should agree with his position. I just don't. No, no, absolutely. And, again, everybody's welcome to their opinion. That discussion has to happen. Uh, and the, at the end of the day, uh, what other countries are doing right now, to me, is not a strong argument because other countries have their own dictatorship or whatever's going on. Well, that, the- well that, that was my point. Venezuela is a hopeless right. example here because people are starving to death because of what this dictator has done. So, yes, Absolutely. murders are up. People are looting stores for food because otherwise they're dying. There was a story can't remember what network the other day, uh, a Wall Street Journal perhaps. It's these people, it's loot or die because they don't have any food. So, yes, murders are going to be up in that kind of environment. It has nothing to do with taking guns away from the people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Miss, thank you for joining us. We're going to definitely uh, go to your blog, get involved with that. How can folks get to your blog? How can they reach you if they need to? To jump on board on the conversation, which I think is very informative and very helpful in this type my, of my situation. nickname is Mish M I S H, and I'm on a place called themaven.net. 
T-H-E-M-A-V-E-N dot net and then slash Mishtalk. And you can find me there. And I'll tell you what I do. I write about the stock market, the economy, interest rates, and, and even gun control, issues like this. I do it in a nonpartisan manner. Uh, right. There are things that Trump does and has done that I like. There are things that he has done, mainly trade policy, that I cannot stand. There are things that Obama has done right, and I'll mention one of them here right now. I think talking with Iran was a good thing. I think suspending and threatening Iran is a bad thing. So I look at policies, and that's how I tell people to look at these. Too often, people tune in to Fox Radio because – you know, uh, you know, no matter what it is, no matter what Trump does, they're going to like it. Someone can tune in to CNN or the DNR or someone else, and no matter what happens, they're going to support the Democratic view. I look at policies. So if right. you're interested in a discussion about policy, about economics, I'm a big free market fan, so I would probably disagree with you on minimum wage laws, but that is the point of view that I take, and it's the maven.net slash Mish Talk, and please join me. We definitely right. will, Mish. Thank you so much for your perspective. I think it's been helpful tonight to our listeners. We appreciate the conversation. Uh, we'll definitely be in touch with you offline. We appreciate you. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, good conversation, folks. Feel free to dial in 646-200-0628. Uh, this discussion continues now. Right now, we bring on Dylan Boxer, uh, and hopefully I'm pronouncing that correct. Mr. Boxer, are you there? Yes, you are you there? Yes. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. How you doing? Is it Dylan? Is that correct? It is Dylan, yes. Okay. Dylan, uh, may I, and hope, with permission, I'll call you Dylan if that's okay. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I go by that all the time. Okay. Dylan, uh, tell us a little bit. I'm going to just let you introduce yourself to, uh, to our listeners and uh, tell them uh, why this is an important topic to you as we discuss this, this issue, and I'll give you the floor. Yeah, geez, thank you so much. Um, no, this, this is a very personal topic to me. Uh, I'm a survivor of the Aurora Theater shooting. And, uh, I mean, I've, people have been calling me a victim, and I, I actually choose not to be called that. I'm a survivor. Um, and uh, it's, it's just a very, it's a very emotional thing to talk about, being directly affected by, by, by violence such as this. And uh, it happened in 2012. It's, um, I was 21 at the time. I'm 26 now. And, the past uh, little while, I've been, I've been traveling and I've been talking about just mostly, mostly the story of, of how, I, how I survived. I'm a, I'm a religious man, so I, I you know, give my thanks to, to God. And uh, just kind of finding hope and recovering after all of this, because in reality, we can't really, we, can, we can't change the things that happened to us in our past, but, you know, we can choose to learn and grow from them and make a difference and use that energy to kind of advocate for change whether it's a mindset or a government policy. Sure. Well, Dylan, tell us a little bit, if, if, if it's not too emotional for you, we'll be respectful of what you've, what you've been through. That horrific night, uh, of course, swept a nation, uh, took a nation by surprise. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, what happened or what you observed or what was your mindset as these things began to unfold uh, right in front of you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, for those of the people that don't know, it was the uh, the, Bat- the uh, Dark Knight Rises uh, premiere, and it was it was a midnight premiere. There were three showings, um, and I attended the one at twelve fifteen that was in Theater Nine, 
And I went with a friend, and uh, the night really started out like any other night. Uh, you, you got to the theater, and you know the crowd is just excited, and, and the energy is electric. Uh, if, for anyone who's ever been to a midnight premiere, um, they're a lot of fun. You get there, there's, there's, there's lots of people, and you're already friends with the people sitting next to you because you're all there for like, the same reason. You all have the same basic interests. And uh, we were just, you know, partying it up, hanging out. Eventually, the, the movie started. And uh, about, I think it was about 18 minutes into the feature, uh, I see this man coming in from the emergency exit. And he, he kicks open the door, and he's, he's completely decked out in, in what looks like SWAT gear. Now, I figured he was just someone dressing up. Uh, fans of the series usually dress up when they go to these things. Um, and he makes his way into the, the center aisle, and he deploys two cans of gas, just throws them into the audience. And I saw this happening, and I thought to myself, I thought, oh, maybe he's playing a prank. You know, I had some, some jerk friends in high school who used to set off smoke bombs and, and stink gas uh, in public places just to watch people's reactions. Um, but this, this wasn't like that. As, as the, the canister flew over my head and, and the gas fell, I, I noticed that the, the gas started to burn really, really badly. It was, it was tear gas. Uh, flushes all the fluids out of your, out of your pretty much every facial orifice and blinds you, suffocates you. And, and as this took hold, I realized this, this isn't a prank. This is, this is an attack. We, we might be under siege. Uh, just then he pulled out a semi-automatic weapon and he started firing into the crowd. Now, I, I immediately got down. Um, some people stood up out of fright and they were shot. Uh, some people um, were startled and, and, and just in a panic tried to make a break for, for the exits. Um, and, and they were also shot. With me, I don't know where the instinct came from to get down. Uh, I, I just did. I've never, I've, I don't have any kind of uh, combat training. I've never been in a situation like this. And uh, I just got down. Um, my friend who I was with also got down with me. And, uh, and I, started, I started, you know, piecing this whole thing together. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an overthinker just, just naturally. And I was thinking, I'm like, okay, this isn't a prank. This is happening. Why, why is this happening? What are we, like, what's, what's, it was, it was very frazzling, but at the same time, I had, I had a sense of clarity. I, I don't know where it came from, divine providence, maybe. And, and I, and I thought to myself, okay, he deployed tear gas. If he wanted to just start shooting people, he would just do that. Why the gas? And, and then I thought about how you catch mice. And I think, okay, oh, you smoke them out. You smoke them out, get them, you catch them, you, ca- you kill them at the exits at the, when they leave their hole. So, so I realized what he was trying to do. He was trying to corral us towards one area, I guess, to make his job easier. So I'm down the floor. I'm, I'm pressed uh, as hard as I could to, to, to the floors. I'm, I'm um, curled up in a ball. I'm trying to make myself as small of a target as possible. And I told my friend who I was with, who was in the aisle seat, and granted, we were, we were fourth from the bottom, row. I mean, we had a front row seat. I told her, I said, you have, you have a clear line of sight for the shooter. You need to keep an eye on him because when he makes that turn towards the exits, we're going to make a break for the emergency door up at the very top of these stairs, which was quite a ways considering you had a, a madman shooting at you. So I, she, she had to be the eyes, my friend. I, I couldn't see. I was blinded by the gas. I could hear perfectly fine. And and she kept an eye on him. And um, to, to this day, I mean, I, I don't ask her what she saw. Um, it would be horrific. But, oh. but she did. She, she, she kept an eye on him. And, and like I had predicted, 
he made that turn and he started pursuing the people who were trying to flee. We had a clear line from our seats up the stairs and out the door. So that's exactly what we did. We, she had her purse with her. We grabbed her stuff and we started making a break towards the exit. Now, a lot of people had this idea too. A lot of people saw him make that turn and, and they went. So there was a large crowd that I was helping push through the door. And I remember very vividly this very big man barreling up the stairs trying to get out with us. And he's just knocking everyone out of the way. He's throwing people into the, into the stands. And he pushed me into one of the chairs. He picks up my friend who, who's a tiny girl and he, and he tosses her into the seats. I, I had to stop. You know, I wasn't going to let, I wasn't going to, leave without her. I walked in with her. I had had to leave with her. And I turn around and I I pick her up. And there was a, there was an exchange there at that moment where now she was behind me and I was in front. Eventually we got up and out and we, we, we made it out of that theater. Um, thank God we were both unharmed. Although um, we did realize how, how much of a close call this was because when we went through uh, her purse afterwards, because we had to go through, make sure we had all of our things, um, to give over to evidence, the inside of her purse was riddled with buckshot. So at one point, we were we were quite literally inches away from from being shot. This was this was a, a miracle at its finest. This was this is the the closest of close calls, and uh, and recovery after that was uh, was very hard. I mean, yeah, you you leave you leave unharmed, but I mean, geez, I mean we we were we were center stage for a bloodbath. I can. I couldn't sleep for three days because I, I was still able to hear the screams and I don't tell that to people. So that's just mm. a big deal. Well, well, Dylan, I'll tell you what, I salute your state of mind and the courage uh, to stay and make sure your friend was not left in harm's way uh, and to have the state of mind of how to get out of a situation and to think clearly. Uh, I salute your really hero, really the hero type of attitude uh, I believe that you showed to not only had you not had that state of mind, how many other lives may have been lost uh, in the process. Uh, and I, I have a question for you. I mean, it's, it's very uh, intriguing to listen to uh, the process of what you went through there. How are you doing now? Uh, I, I would presume that this is something that stays with you all the time. Uh, you do heal as time goes on, but I'm definitely don't forget. How are you doing now? I'm actually doing really, really well. Uh, I, I left that theater um, a different man. I mean, I was, I, was, I was 21 at the time, so I guess more of a boy. But it was, it was, it was very enlightening. I, I don't know. I just I, – I don't take advantage of life anymore. You know, this was I, – I, considering how, how, I, how I acted. I mean, this, this, was, this was kind of a first for me. Uh, trust me, I'm the kid who would get lost at Barnes & Noble – uh, start breaking out into a fit and then you know, get the lady at the front counter to page my mom. That was me growing up. And, yeah. you know, you don't really know who you are until you're faced with something like this. And, and to see, to see myself um, keeping a com- calm composure, trying to, to get out, trying to save the person that I'm with. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was a tragedy it, to say the least. It was horrific, but I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of the man that I am, and I'm really proud of, of the way that I, I turned out. And, and I wear that night as, as a badge of honor. And listen, you can't, you can't forget about this. No matter how hard you try, you just can't. But what you can do is turn tragedy into opportunity. You can learn to grow from this, and you can learn to help others 
I know I have. I've, I've given, I've traveled. I've given talks about this. I've given talks about healing and, and just, I mean, I told you I'm, I'm religious, so it comes down to faith in, in the almighty, but, but still it's, 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 it's almost liberating. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I would never, I would never ask for this again. I wouldn't wish this on anyone, but for me and my situation, it turned me into a great man. It, it showed, it showed me who I am, which some people, some people never actually get to see their true colors. Unfortunately, mine was trial by fire, and and I'm really proud of I'm really proud of just the way I I, I held myself. But I, I have to correct you on something. I'm not a hero. I'm I'm a survivor. I did what it took to get out alive, and that's that's really all there is to it. Oh, absolutely. And Dylan, let me ask you a question. I'm sure you're in you're hearing the conversation uh, that's going oh, on yeah. right now. Country, Florida. Uh, I mean, the movement that's happening. What are your thoughts on these young people saying enough is enough and we are going to make change happen? What are your thoughts about these youngsters? I think it's great. I think it's absolutely terrific that these kids at, at such a young age, um, I mean, it sucks they were exposed to this, but, but they're, I mean, they're, they're getting up. They're trying, they're trying to change the world. Everyone talks about wanting to change the world. Everyone talks about wanting to be a hero and, 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 um, and, you know, make a difference, but how many people actually get the opportunity? And they, they saw, again, they're turning tragedy into opportunity. They, they saw this event, they said no, and, and, they're, and they're doing something about it. Well, that's awesome. And uh, Dylan, I'll tell you what, uh, I think your story is compelling, what you've been through, and to share that with others, uh, I believe is a, is, a, is a point of inspiration to people uh, to tell them that no matter what you've been through, and this is, like you said, the most horrific thing you can imagine uh, that can happen when you're knocking on death's door that closely and to be able to come out of it. And you can hear your emotion and your passion about what you've been through. Uh, it's to be saluted. And uh, I definitely want to stay in touch with you here at AJC Radio and Just Calls as we uh, always have a platform and a voice here uh, to hear from people just like you who say, look, uh, this is something that's important. I think your story uh, will help a lot, a lot of people. And I salute you for what you have uh, been through. Uh, you can't imagine, like you said, until you actually go through it, uh, the type of horror uh, that that is. And, and I really appreciate you taking a few moments tonight uh, to come on our program as we talk to uh, the masses tonight over the, uh, over the, over the, on this show about what's important as we get into conversation about gun control and and uh, is there anything you want to add in closing when you're, when you're talking about gun control? What, are you, what is your opinion or your thoughts on doing something at least to cut down on the body count that's taking place in this country? Yeah, well, I mean, like, much like everyone, I do have an opinion. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little weird. See, I was, I was brought up around guns. I've, I've you know, my, my grandparents who had a big hand in raising me, um, they would go to shooting competitions. They, they collected guns. They, it, was, it, was a, it was a common thing around my house growing up. And uh, at a young age, I learned respect for the firearm and for the craft, that they, they were very explicit with me. They said, this is a weapon that kills. You have to treat it with respect. You have to be safe around it. And I actually contribute um, some of that prior knowledge to, to my, my survival, because I told you all I was able to do in that theater was hear. And, and just hearing the sound of the gunshots, how sporadic they were, I was able to, to deduce that he wasn't actually aiming for anyone and that this was, in fact, a random mass shooting. Um, that being said, and I am a, an advocate of the Second Amendment, I do believe there needs to be more control about who gets sure. them. Um, I was listening to the whole program up until this point, 
And I, I believe you're absolutely right. Listen, we're not trying to get rid of the guns. I don't want to get rid of the guns. In fact, I mean, someone, someone uh, breaks into your house and you, don't, and you, you are unarmed. You are going to call the cops because they, they have weapons. And if you, as, a, as an upright citizen who has, sure. has earned the right to carry a gun, um, needs to protect your family, then I believe that's, that's what the amendment is for, amongst other things. But sure. I, I think you're absolutely right. We do need to, to make sure that there are more restrictions. Maybe, maybe, maybe flag someone who has a history of, of mental illness. Uh, just better, better procedures with, with handing them out. Or sure. not, not handing them out, but, but distributing them. Sure. Uh, well, Dylan, I agree with you. I think every responsible citizen, and I think your grandparents, how they raised you, uh, to give respect to the firearm, to understand, and they were very clear with you, this thing kills. And I think your, yeah. your, your perspective on that is awesome to me because if we can get grandparents and parents and those that bear arms to give the education, uh, just the insight that, that your grandparents gave you, maybe you're looking at a different situation. Uh, I think that's, that's I exactly believe- right. I, b- I believe so. I believe it all comes down to 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 education. Really, you gotta. I mean, you gotta you gotta start young. I, I learned I learned in elementary school, and I learned it wasn't a toy, and I learned the the, the seriousness behind it. Mm-hmm. Now they also you also need to be mentally sound. I, I feel I feel that we, especially in the American culture, uh, we're we're very materialistic, and uh, it's easy just to blame a thing. You know, I, I think there was a case where a man sued McDonald's because he got fat. You know. <laughs> It's, it's easy to, to blame the guns, but, but you have to look at the person behind the weapon. You have to look at who's purchasing them. You have to, you have to go from there. Maybe, maybe be more aware of, of the mental state of, of individuals, especially the ones who are, are carrying deadly weapons. No, absolutely. Dylan, it's been a pleasure. I mean, I could keep talking to you all night uh, as oh, you same. have. I mean, I really enjoy what you're saying. I think it is the clear common sense perspective of the situation and uh we're going to definitely stay in touch uh, i'm going to contact you offline and uh definitely know one thing for certain that no matter where we go or how this country unfolds or you get in a situation where you become uh again passionate on an issue that you want to share you'll always have a platform here at ajc radio we appreciate you so much for taking time tonight to tell your story i believe it probably touched a lot of hearts tonight as we have been in discussion we appreciate you so very much dylan and your courage and uh, tell your friend uh, she's welcome on here as well. We are, we, are, we are so glad you guys got out of that situation safe. Definitely so. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> Thank hey, you so much care. for having me. I, I, really, I really appreciate it. If you'd like to know any more, um, let me know. I, I actually i am also helping out a, a charity that was founded in the wake of this shooting. They're called Aurora Rise, and uh, they're doing a lot of good work too. Okay, yeah, I would like to get more information on that and anything that a just cause can do to be maybe a part of that. We'll, we're more than happy to jump on board with that as well. Definitely. Yeah, we'll be in touch. Okay, thanks, Dylan. Have a good rest of your evening. Okay, you too. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. There you have it. Dylan Boxer uh, really putting some clear perspective on, the, on this conversation tonight. Dennis uh, really sharing his heart, sharing his position, sharing re- – this man went through some things – but his state of mind, and he credits it to the seriousness of what his grandparents raised him, and to the point he didn't have vision, but he could hear the direction of the shooting. He, this, that, that's unbelievable to be in that state of mind and to be able to understand that 
speaks volumes. Yeah, and then, and it got me when he was talking about, like you said, with his grandmother, uh, education. I mean, we, we push that, too. We talk about educating. Uh, you know, you got little kids right now, you know, parents uh, leaving weapons out, and a uh, kid kills his little uh, sister sure. or brother, you know, and that's that, that happened recently. So, uh, you know, the show tonight I think has been great. I mean, looking at different perspectives. But, again, I, I think the biggest thing we got to look at is, is like uh, Dylan said, is, Come on, I mean, some people uh, just shouldn't have weapons. At the end of the day, and, and, at the end of the day, I mean, because if you give it, if you just allow people, if you minimize the background checks, if you make it easy for anybody to get a weapon, then of course, uh, you're looking at some tragedies. All right, folks. On the other side of the break, we're coming back with more discussion. Very special thanks to Dylan Boxer as well as Mike, known as Mish Shevlock. It's been it's been interesting tonight. The information I believe has been very informative. Uh, as we have been in this discussion and good discussion that must happen. On the other side of the break, we'll be right back with further discussion, gun control, the conversation happening in America right now. We'll be right back. We know you care. Now is time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. You can tell a lot about someone by what they spend their money on their priorities, their concerns, and their motives. Big Pharma says their top priority is research and development. They say that prescription drug costs are so high because they spend so much on research. But the simple truth is nine out of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend 50% more on advertising than they do on research and development. It's true, tens of billions more. The more they spend, clearer it becomes. Big Pharma's priorities are more ads, more sales, and higher costs to you. It's time for Big Pharma to get their priorities straight. Americans deserve open and honest prescription drug pricing. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org. I wanted to be in the military since I was was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. you got to find that link with somebody 
it'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. Odds of becoming an astronaut, one in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, one in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, one in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, one in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator, one in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, one in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving, 1 in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting, 1 in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime, 1 in 2 men, 1 in 3 women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation. For the ones we love. For our future. If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we can walk it out. Move, mountain. We can walk it out and move, mountain. And ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio. The young lady is sharing there is what we see happening in this nation right now. And there's a rising up, if you will, of young people, of old people. The American people as a whole are beginning to rise up, but the movement is speared by the youth of this nation. The leaders of tomorrow have sent a statement. I'll tell you right now, folks, the body bags that have been filled from mass shootings in this nation are uncomprehendable. Not only are they of teenagers, when you talk about mass shootings, you talk about Las Vegas, a man that got in a room high enough up that bullets would shower down upon the innocent. You talk about Sandy Hook, children killed as young as six years old. You talk about Columbine, you talk about Aurora, as Dylan made very clear. What will it take for a nation to rise? I would have to believe that the actions of the Young people, not only from Florida, but the protests that took place all across this nation, spoke volumes. And will continue to, if we are diligent in our search for justice, something must be done. A just cause will also be a supporter and a voice to implement change where it must take place. We are very, very thankful for, again, Dylan Boxer and Miss Shedlock, who 
gave Venice a very clear perspective of how we go forward. How important is that right now as this movement continues to catch on? It's very important. Uh, we need to continue uh, to, to, to talk. Uh, I mean, keep the conversation going uh, from both sides and come up with a solution. And there is one out there. Uh, we just need to come to some type of agreement and not think about our Second Amendment rights only, because that's not what it's about. No one's trying to take and I someone's Second Amendment rights. And I don't know how many times you say that. Uh, and let me make it very clear what a just cause position on the right to bear arms, the Second Amendment is. We believe in the Second Amendment. We believe in the right to defend yourself in the time of trouble. We're simply saying what we are seeing as far as the type of weapons have crossed the line. They're not a necessity, but the right to bear arms is because it is all of our right, and we autumn 100% support that. But we don't support you having a tank on your front yard as a right to bear arms. Does that make sense? If you have the right to be honest, somebody will simply say, I have a right to have a tank. And, 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 and Mish made it clear. Does that mean I can have grenades and everything else in my house that I'm in a war zone or in the military? To, come on. We know better than that as citizens. We know better than that as people. And it's time the conversation changed. And as all this has happened, the GOP, some of them, and I'm not saying all of them, are still politicizing things even after this shooting. Let's hear the clip of what the, of what's going on with that. Here in Florida, we are hearing calls for lawmakers to do more to stop these mass shootings. But in the state house, the Florida Senate is debating a bill that would actually make it easier to buy a gun. The Florida State Senate Appropriations Committee is planning on hearing legislation that will allow people to get guns without completing a background check at all. That is something that the majority of Americans believe we should make harder. The background check process should be more rigorous. We should note, by the way, Florida already has relatively lax gun laws, or as the NRA would put it, uh, very good gun laws. You don't need a permit to purchase guns in Florida. You don't need to register your firearms. There's no licensing of gun owners. And from the State House to Capitol Hill, it's not clear that this call to action is being received. House Speaker Paul Ryan suggested this morning that it's less an issue of new laws and more about enforcing current ones. Remember, we do have laws on the books designed to prevent people with mental illnesses from getting firearms, to design people who have criminal backgrounds from getting firearms. The question is, just like the Texas instance, are those laws working the right way? All right, for more, I'm joined by MSNBC's Garrett Hake on Capitol Hill. And there's a lot going on there, uh, Garrett. But um, these calls, from here, it's almost uniform. And this isn't about pro-Second pro Amendment or, or anti-Second Amendment. These are people, generally speaking, young people who are saying, why can't these politicians fix this? It keeps happening. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair question, Allie. The problem has been twofold here. First, deciding what problems to fix and the second remaining focused enough to actually fix them. Remember, after each of these major shootings we've seen over the last couple of years, we've seen Congress start to act on things like banning bump stocks or improving the background check system, seeing if they can do more to get the military to communicate with the FBI when they're doing background checks. All of these efforts run out of gas as attention is turned elsewhere, and Congress has thus far done nothing. 
I've been talking to lawmakers all day today who agree that perhaps it is time to do something, although it's not entirely clear what. I asked Chuck Grassley, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, about this today. He's the guy who would see essentially any of this legislation come across his desk. Here's what he told me would be a priority. It seems to be common for a lot of these shootings, in fact, almost all the shootings, and that is the mental state of the people that are doing it. And uh, we have not done a very good job of making sure that people that have mental reasons for not being able to handle a gun, getting their name into the FBI uh, files, and we need to concentrate on that. Allie, what the irony of that is one of the few things that the Trump administration has done about guns during their tenure is to undo some Obama-era regulations that did exactly that. So for folks looking to Congress to act on this, we're probably going to have to wait a little bit longer. Well, there you have it. You have... Senator Grassley making a point, and he, he, he owns up to it, that there's just not been enough done. But, and he's bringing the issue of the mentally, we haven't done enough to make sure the mentally ill do not get guns. But yet after a month of the election, after a month of Trump being in office, the Republican-controlled Senate, the Republican-controlled House voted to undo those measures. Cliff, when you hear that, now that, that just makes no sense. You're talking about we haven't done enough, but a month into Trump's presidency, they vote against and undo something that Senator Grassley is saying we need to do a better job at. Well, it just speaks to the whole politics of the issue. I mean, it sometimes is absolutely disgusting listening to politicians because you say, okay, well, how is it that 10 months ago you voted that day? And now you're saying that's what needs to be put in place. So did you – it begs answers for several questions. Did you read what you voted for uh, back in February, March of last year? Are you speaking now about the mental health issue because that's the only issue that you want to talk about that the NRA isn't fighting back on uh, Congress about? So – what is your true position? Those are the type of things that you say, okay, as politicians, at least give a clear message to the American people. At least give one message to the American people. Don't vote something down and then say, well, that's what needs to be in place uh, to fix the situation. So basically you're telling us that really I don't uh, – I'm, I'm just going to give you a political answer, but I'm not really going to do anything. Those are the type of uh, reasons that you have, you know, this movement with the young people now says, hey, politicians, quit giving us this can answer, this this uh, bucket of crap of what you say needs to be done and actually do something. You overturned the measure that the former administration put in place place. that was trying to help to try to at least say, "Okay, let's head in the direction of at least trying to keep guns out of the hands of people who have a mental instability. And I want to play one more clip, and this comes from former Senator Rick Santorum, who made the the most ridiculous statement. Uh, I'd be surprised if CNN kept him on uh, after this statement and insensitivity that he did, uh, that he basically put out to these protesters who believe in something and buried their classmates. Let, Let me tell you, let me let you hear what Rick Santorum had to say about these young people. This is the bottom line. Is this a political act? 
Well, very well, maybe, and that's fine. I mean, if if the organizers, people who certainly supported it, uh, the Hollywood elites and the and the liberal billionaires who who funded this, it's all about politics. Is this really all about politics, or is it all about keeping our schools safe? Because if it is about keeping our schools safe, then we have to have much broader discussion than the discussion that's going on right now. How about kids, instead of looking to someone else to solve their problem, do something about maybe taking CPR classes or trying to deal with with situations that with, there is a violent but, shooter. That but how are they looking at other people? To to, I, I would ask you, they took action. Yeah, they took action to ask someone to pass a law. They didn't take action to say, how do I, well, as an individual, deal with this uh, problem? How am I going to do something about stopping bullying within my own community? What am I going to do to actually help respond to a shooter? What am I going to do? Those are the kinds of things where you can take it internally and say, here's how I'm going to deal with this. Here's how I'm going to help the situation instead of going and protesting and saying, oh, someone else needs to pass a law to protect me. I've got a kid who's going to be in high school next year, and I want him focused on algebra and other stuff. If if his his main way to survive high school is learning CPR so when his friend gets shot, he can keep... That, to me, we've gone too far. I'm proud of these kids. I know you're proud of these kids, too, because you can do I'm proud of them, but I think everyone should be responsible and deal with the problems that we have to confront in our lives. And and ignoring those problems and saying they're not going to come to me and and saying some phony gun law is going to solve it. Phony gun laws don't solve these problems. That's what we found out. Unbelievable. How he is employed still is a mystery to me, and why he's no longer a senator. Uh, oh, that's that piece you, is obvious. You have got. Are you kidding me? How do you me? tell? How do you tell the children of America? You say, "Hey, kids, both of you getting shot. You're high schoolers, junior highers, elementary uh, classmates. Quit complaining. Quit looking to adults to make decisions for you." Figure out something yourself. This is basically what Rick Santorum is saying. Children of America and the grown-ups to make the decisions. Stop asking members of Congress to pass legislation to make your life better. It's not going to make your life better. You figure out what to do. CPR, are you kidding me? Well, that explains why he's probably not in office. <laughs> oh, uh, definitely. This is as offensive as it gets. And it was a firestorm all over social media to ask Rick Santorum one question. What are you talking about in the midst of tragedy here? You have got to be completely kidding me. Well, Take CPR classes, not stop the shooter, but when you get shot. Yeah, when you get shot. You can CPR and back. CPR. So, <laughs> so when you get shot, learn CPR and take home mech to learn how to, to learn how to use saran wrap. As a gurney. This is Rick and Tom, take a bow, man, wherever you're at. You made a complete, you went viral for something absolutely ridiculous. That, and, and if I was a, like I said, if I was a young person out there that suffered and went through that tragedy in Florida, I would be completely offended by that statement because you have no empathy for what these people have gone through, which is why you're on the set of CNN and not in the Congress. I would presume that would be the case. Uh, it, 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 it leaves you baffled, and you think, are you not thinking before you open your mouth to what these kids are feeling when you do that? Uh, again, a very special thanks to Dylan Boxer, uh, Mike known as Miss Shedlock, for your, your perspective, to all the callers that called in uh, to be a part of this show. We appreciate it, and all of our listeners that just sat back and listened to the information, we appreciate all of, all of you as well. 
Right now, we turn the page to what you didn't know about the RP5. It starts right now. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. Strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And, and then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to jail. Ladies and gentlemen of America, what is going on when innocent men get locked away? Ladies and gentlemen, have you stopped to ask the question, where is justice? It's far away. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Uh, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. There you have it. Tough questions in need for answers. Lady Justice has gone missing. Where is she? Is this happening in America? The American dream has turned into a nightmare. Crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America, we look for the answer. What you didn't know about the IRP-6, now known as the IRP-5, you may wonder why... Gary Walker, who we have discussed on this show, deflected from the other guys, part of the IRP-6 organization, uh, or excuse me, the IRP-6 men. They are David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper. But as a result of telling false statements, uh, really things that simply turn into a witch hunt, if you will, against these guys because... Mr. Walker was tired of being in prison. He fabricated information and told lies to achieve or to attain, if you will, or to receive a habeas uh, hearing in the courtroom of Judge Christine Arguello, which, according to a lot of people we have talked to, should have never been granted. 
that's the explanation of why they are now known as the IRP5. These men have stood really courageous and believed themselves to stand for justice and not use any door to walk out of prison, William. These men went in with integrity. They maintained their integrity because that's who these men are. And let me be very clear. The IRP5, including Gary Walker, were innocent of any wrongdoing on any level. But the key here, justice continues to be sought for these men. And I'll tell you right now, this thing has been taken all the way to Capitol Hill, and it continues to march from there. William, your thoughts as you have observed these men determined to fight for justice. Absolutely. I mean, that's the character of these guys. Number one, they were wrongly, wrong, wrongfully convicted, and they know that. And they have every right and every intention to stand for justice to be served. And the bottom line is they're standing together. They're strong. They're encouraged. They know that we're here. They're there. And we're all fighting together. To get, so this is, we know that they will be exonerated. Well, what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, tune in every Tuesday and Thursday evening. The last 15 minutes of every show starting Thursday will be dedicated to the IRP6, where we are, and again, known as the IRP5, where we are now, where, we, where are we going, how is the fight for justice happening? We will have that at the conclusion. That will be the final segment of our program. Right now, perpetrators of justice who are responsible, if you will, for the wrongful conviction of these men. Lisa, who are they? They are former U.S. Attorney John Walsh, <clears throat> Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Federal Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, Agent FBI Agent John, FBI Agent Robert Mullen, former Federal Agent John Epke, former Federal Agent Gary Hillberry, Attorney Thomas Goodread, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Ward, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Stanton Jr., Attorney Rick Cornfeld, Attorney Mark Garrigo, Susan Holland of ETI Professional Services and Samuel K. Thurman. There you have it. Perpetrators of justice, I'll tell you what, we will rest until justice is done. Good night, America. We'll see you next time.